Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark, your internet radio home for all things champions indoor football. Join Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio, as well as the director of operations of the CIF, as he brings you the news and notes, as well as player interviews, coaches, and owners of the CIF. So let's do this. Here's Sonny Clark. All right, everybody, welcome into Inside the CIF. It's me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio. As we move into week number six, we have week number five under our belts. And what a week number five it was. Started out on Thursday as the Revolution were at home taking on the Marshals of Dallas. And then ended on Saturday with not one, not two, not three, not four, but five more games on Saturday. So that's pretty exciting when you look at what's coming your way this week as we are going to kick it off on Friday, Friday night indoor lights. This time it's a rematch of week number one. But it's in Omaha as Sioux City travels to Omaha where you got two teams that have really good records. One undefeated, the other one has played well. So, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I love this league, but this league is better when the Omaha Beef are a good football team. And guess what? That's exactly what's going on in Champions Indoor Football. The Omaha Beef are a pretty good football team to this point of the season. And we are here in week number six in Champions Indoor Football. Good lineup here as we are going to have the commissioner corner with Ricky Burtz and also the owner of the Syntex Calvary, Randy Sanders, will be joining us. Then I'm going to bring in a guy that has been my right-hand man as the color commentator as I do high school football for the Raleigh Eagles. He's also the statistician of the Texas Revolution and a lover of indoor football since the Arizona Rattlers came in. It's going to be the Eagle Eye, Bill Cerna. Now that being said, we are set to roll into week number six here in Inside the CIF. We might as well start it off now. It is time for the Commissioner Corner here on Inside the CIF. Let's go ahead and bring on a guy who was an owner in this league. He put together the CIF with the merger from Champions Professional Indoor Football League and the Lone Star Football League. Now the Commissioner of Champions Indoor Football. It is Ricky Burtz. How you doing, Ricky? I'm doing good, Sonny, but you are, uh, you're way too kind with your words. There's a lot of other people involved and a lot of those things that happen, not just me. But um, we'll just uh, shout out to everybody that's kind of got us to where we are today. There's been a lot of people that put in a lot of work to make this happen. And um, 
as you, I mean, I'm really excited and really proud of where we're standing at right now at this moment in time with everything. Yeah, a lot of work involved with that. I mean, you and I both know that. I mean, hours where we're up until late uh, late hours, get, making sure everybody's getting everything they need. How do you see the first six weeks going into the league? How, how are you looking at it? It, it? Are we better off this year than where we were last year? Is it getting better? What What's looking uh, positive for champions in the football as we move into further on in the year? Well, I think we're taking a lot of steps in the right direction. I mean, I think our on-the-field product speaks for itself. I mean, how many games do we have where, I don't know how many points, I mean, games I've seen where uh, uh, the difference in points is, you know, less than a touchdown. And, I mean, heck, we had, was it two weeks ago? I think we had every single game practically decided by less than a touchdown on one night. Was it Saturday night? I think it was. There was like five yeah. games. and I mean, so it, it's great. It's it's uh, There's a lot of parity in the league. There's a lot of excitement. Um I think it's the reason why we have so many people that follow uh, our league in particular, just because they know on any given night somebody can beat somebody else, and it's just it's uh, it's just great. Um, I'm excited about on the field, but also from an office standpoint as well. I mean, we have teams across the board that are um, doing things better. They're kind of like upping their standards, they're upping the expectation level, and we're really kind of putting a more professional product on the field and being more professional on how we're operating our businesses as well. So just a lot of things to be excited. So. I would say uh, overall, I mean, the, the arrow is still continuing to pointing up for us, which is great. Definitely. And as the arrow is moving up, obviously one of the things that comes to mind is expansion. Uh, it's always what's, you know, some of the things that we talk about during the year, and especially as we get toward the end of the year, looking forward to next season. What's the idea? What are we looking at as far as expansion, if you can reveal anything, or what's it up in line here in the future? Well, I can tell you that I say this with the utmost confidence that there will be um, a couple teams announced for the 2018 season during the 2017 season, and that's just for new franchises. And then and we're not—I mean, that doesn't take into consideration what might happen with uh, acquisitions from other leagues and everything else. Well, so uh, definitely um, the footprint for the CIF will be greater in the 2018 season. And it's going to be growth in the right way. I mean, some of these uh, teams that are coming on board, uh, they fit us geographically. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll say like one team in particular, there's, you know, five teams within probably a 250-mile, 300-mile radius. And that's what you want. I mean, you don't want to be spread out all over the place. Um, so, no, we're we're really excited about, uh, hey, while the 2017 season is going on, I mean, you and I, as well as other people, are working really hard for the 2018 season, and we'll be in the process of lining up league meetings and doing uh, doing everything to kind of prepare for those as well. But definitely a lot of exciting things happening in the CIF, for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about the criteria. I mean, every year, whether it's during the season or season, uh, we're talking about, oh, teams coming in. How many teams are coming in? Oh, this team's coming in. That team's coming in. What is the criteria? I mean, we talked a little bit about it. I know there's some things regarding the criteria that we can't talk about, but what are some of the things that you as the commissioner and champions indoor football are looking at when a new team or an existing team is looking to maybe bolt to our league? Um, well, I'd say probably the, the number one criteria is the ownership group. I'd say 1A and 1B, the ownership group and the location. I mean, everybody knows that this is a tough business. Um, it's not a business where you're going to make a lot of money. Um, a lot of teams work hard just on, like, breaking even and having a positive impact in their community. Um, so I'd say the quality of the ownership group and the location, you know, and uh, 
Um, you know, we get phone calls all the time, Sonny. You get those as well. I mean, on a weekly yeah. basis about people wanting to put teams in the CIF, but they just they don't fit us geographically where we're at. I mean, um, you know, I mean, we've got a couple teams. Um, you know, I mean, we go as I mean, we got a couple teams spread out a little bit, but um, what the average fan doesn't know is uh, there's going to be some teams that are going to kind of backfill in and kind of fill in those gaps for us. And this is just all part of our strategic growth that we have now. We're not going to grow for the sake of saying that we're going to grow. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, our goal, uh, my goal, myself personally, and I think the goal of every member in the league is, I mean, right now we have 14 team member, member teams, and we'd love to, hey, for the 2018 season, we have those exact 14 again, plus anybody else new that comes along. But if nobody else new comes along, that's fine as well. We're perfectly okay with that. We just want to have, we just want to have consistent, sustainable growth. And on top of that, our existing teams helping them to become profitable and uh, operate in a way that they're going to be around for long periods of time. That's our ultimate goal. And, uh, you know, we might not always uh, uh, achieve that, but that's what we strive for year in and year out. I like that. And it gives an idea for some of the fans what's going on. It's just not arbitrarily taking a team that's ready to rock and roll or supposedly in their minds ready to rock and roll. There's a lot of things that go involved with it. It's just not saying, hey, you're ready to go. Let's do it. So uh, lots of things that we got to check up on. So that being said, you look at the football team within Champions Indoor Football, and there's, a, there's about four or five teams in this that really, really are pounding the community idea. All you got to do is look at Bloomington, what they're doing. I am a real venom out there in, the, uh, in Bismarck, getting out in the community of the Bucks. It, this really is a football league that really is wanting to get out in the community to be seen. Now, obviously, being seen means more tickets sold at the same time, but being a part of the community is a big part of every football team that's within Champions Indoor Football. Well, I agree with you completely, Sonny. I think the big thing is is that um, really, I mean, there's no one right way to do it. There's lots of wrong ways to do it, and incorporating the community and being involved in the community is one of those right ways and right things to do. Um, I mean, we all talk about stability. I mean, what about stability for fans and stuff like that as well? They know that they having a team. I mean, how many times have we had a one-and-done type of a situation? And yeah. those are the kind of situations we want to steer clear of and stay away from. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you're talking about criteria and everything else. Um, yeah, I mean, we want to we want to understand what their business plan is, what their goals are. I mean, I mean, financially, what's their financial capabilities for doing things. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, if we're going to continue to work on it and uh, kind of bring in the right kind of people that know what they're doing, or at least the people that are open to ideas and suggestions on doing it a certain way, and uh, bring them into the CIF and look at adding them as good partners, that's really what we're trying to do um, uh, as we continue to grow. Now, let's take a look at some of the games. I mean, we got Friday night indoor lights, not just Friday night lights, but indoor lights as the Sioux City Bandits go on the road to take on the Omaha Beef in a matchup of week number one. We just changed the location. This time it's in Omaha. This is an exciting game that's going on as they have the only eyes on them tonight as they did in week number one. And what a great game week number one was. And I talked about it earlier in the shows that we've come up to. This league is just better when the Omaha Beef are a good football team. Now they go up against an undefeated team in 4-0 against the Sioux City Bandits. That rivalry, you know, right down the highway is getting really big for tonight's game. Absolutely. You know, actually, uh, I'm going to be in attendance for that game tonight. So uh, I'm excited to kind of see this matchup between uh, two powerhouse teams in our northern uh, 
our Northern Conference. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this game this game's going to be a heavy game. I mean, you know, having a 12, 12 regular season games um, and, you know, your first tiebreaker is your head-to-head record. I mean, right now, right now, um, Sioux City holds that tiebreaker over Omaha because of the game that they played, and Omaha won that first. I'm sorry, Sioux City won that first matchup. I know it's in the back of uh, not only uh, Coach Ross's mind in Omaha, but uh, Coach Strobian as well in Sioux City. I mean, it's going to be a great game, and yeah, one that I'm actually going to be watching in person and just excited to see um, excited to see what the outcome is and what happens. I'm hoping for a good game, and I expect it to be one. Yeah, another game that's going to be a good one is on Sunday. I mean, the one that is only going to be uh, the only eyes on this one is the Duke City Gladiators and the Amarillo Venom. I mean, we could be talking about the Duke City Gladiators being undefeated. Talk about two uh, two last play of the games that decided whether or not they were 4-0 or where they're sitting at right now at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, I agree completely, and, and again, I think that kind of is a testament to our league, you know, and uh, the parity that exists in that league, and uh, I think everybody knows, I mean, Duke City and Amarillo, I mean, that is, that's probably a, that's probably the biggest rivalry game for both of those franchises on their schedule, you know. Um, I know that whenever the 2017 schedule came out, I'm sure that both ownership groups looked at that and probably told their coaches, hey, we don't know what games we're going to win during the season, but these are the ones that we got to win. So that's definitely uh, something that I'm sure taking place between uh, both ownership groups. Um, so it'll be it'll be exciting to watch as well. And, yeah, it'll be the only game on Sunday. And so it's uh, going to have all eyes on them. And I think we're going to put on a good show for them as a league. So. And you take a look at this league there, Ricky. I mean, you got a team that's a second-year team in the uh, Bloomington Edge doing what they did in their first season in Champions Indoor Football. Now, granted, this was a team that had been in existence and uh, played in a couple of leagues before it landed right here. But looking at that team and looking at some of the new teams that are kind of struggling right now is the Bucks are one and three, the Phantom are one and two, um, and the the Calvary 0-3, and, and right now the Liberty 0-4. But really, a quick winning streak can have some of these new newer teams that are within the league make a play for the playoffs like they did last year in Bloomington. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you talked about, uh, you know, Bloomington, uh, you know, uh, Omar and Nargis up there, phenomenal owners doing a great job in the community, a great job building their organization. But, uh, I mean, Bismarck gave them everything they could handle last week and. the uh, you know, Bismarck just came up a couple yards short on the last play of the game on that field goal. I mean, and, you know, uh, I know Bismarck, uh, Coach Davis, and them are putting uh, the best team they've got on the field as they can. But, I mean, I think you and I both know, I mean, Jonathan Baines, their starting quarterback, he's been out two straight games. Um, Heard him. I, think Baines, I mean, Baines in that game, that could have had a different outcome. But that, again, talks about even with them not having their starting QB, the period that we've got, yeah, Bloomington, a playoff caliber team, and Bismarck going toe-to-toe with them on the road. Right, and if you look at that game last week, and that was a, a phenomenal game because when you looked at the final score and what it was, which was, gosh, hardly nothing, um, it, you know, it was 24-21, to 21, the final score in that game. Between both teams, they only scored 45 points, and uh, it, so we've seen a defensive struggle in that game. So uh, good stuff so far going into Champions Indoor Football, where we're at in week number six. Now, since I got you here, is there anything that you want to talk about here on the Commissioner Corner uh, before we move on into inside the CIF? Um, you know, I just say, you know, we're uh, about a, uh, we're about a third of the way through the season now, and I think that, hey, uh, 
what we've got going on, what's happening within the league. I think it's all stuff going in the right direction. Um, there's actually some uh, – we talked about expansion a little bit. We'll be making some announcement expansion teams soon. And I'll even say as far as there's some uh, new additional things for the 2018 season that I know that you're aware of, we'll actually be yeah. releasing that information here uh, during the season because our hope is that some of these things that we're going to have, we're going to incorporate and do that are going to – I mean, fans are actually going to get a taste of that for the, uh, the probably the last third of the 2017 season. And we're going to ask them for their feedback on it. Like, hey, we actually want to launch this. This is something we're going to do. Why don't you guys check it out? Tell us what you think. Hey, what will we do differently? I mean, I mean, you and I, we, we field emails and phone calls and messages all day long from our fans and sort of the team owners. Yep. I mean, I mean, we really we value the input that they have. I mean, without the fans, hey, this doesn't happen. And, um, you know, sometimes some of our best ideas or some of the best things we do as a league have started off with fan suggestions. So uh, some of those things that we have that we're working on that, I guess that you're aware of. I mean, I'm excited to be launching those and, and uh, rolling out the red carpet on those over like probably like the next month and uh, just really giving fans an opportunity to try it out and give us their feedback on some of these new things we've got coming up on board. He is the Commissioner of Champions Indoor Football. It is Ricky Birch. Thanks for joining us for a little bit here on the Commissioner Corner here and inside the CIF. Thanks for joining us. Hey, appreciate it, Sonny. And, uh, hey, good luck to all the teams this weekend. I'll see a lot of good football games. Definitely. And folks, when we come back, we're going to talk to one of the owners, a guy that's moving in, making some moving from one team or one city to another team. We're going to bring in the owner of the Sensex Cavalry. It's going to be Randy Sanders after this. Always good to hear from the Commissioner of Champions Indoor Football, Ricky Burtz. You know, sometimes he comes out and he'll announce something. Sometimes I'll do it. It just all depends upon uh, his schedule and him being able to take time off to join us here in Inside the CIF. All right, so let's take a look at this weekend champions indoor football. It starts off with a Friday night indoor lights as the bandits on the road taking on the Omaha beef. Then a big time week for standings. And now that one is big in standings as the bandits are four and oh out on the season and the beef are two and one on the season so that is a big time game that happens because the beef really need to keep going as they are two and one on the season they would really like to be able to prove it to three and one on the season more so than dropping to two and two so that one's going to be really interesting to see how interested the bandits are in this game as they are four and oh uh going into this game will they be complacent Will they be able to try to ink one on the road away from the Omaha Beef? Also, more games happening. The Marshals take on the Dodge City Law in Dodge City as the Wichita Force will hit the road to take on the Salina Liberty as the Liberty, unfortunately, are not on the winning side. And you heard the news earlier this week as the head coach of the Salina Liberty does resign, Mike Bonner taking over the play calling and the head coaching duties there in Salina. The Wichita Force, they are in a situation where they need to win. They're one and three out on the season, so... The, between the two teams, they are 1-7 in, in league play this season. 
Then the Ironmen, they go on the road. They're going to take on the Bucks of Bismarck. As in that game, this one's an interesting as one as well as the same thing. The one and six in those, uh, those with those two two teams playing in six games. So uh, the Bucks came away and they are one and three. The Ironmen zero oh, and three. Then the Texas Revolution they go back up on the road. They're taking on the Calvary of the Syntax as the Revolution take another trip down south to try to get a victory over the Syntex Calvary. Now, you heard also from Randy Sanders, new coach as the former coach Mike Finney did resign and taking over for this football team is Coach Perez down there. He's going to try to put together that football team to be competitive against an undefeated revolution team and the Calvary have not been able to get a, uh, a check mark on the winning side so as it looks as far as that is concerned the revolution 2-0 looking very well got the victory against the Calvary last time as they were out on the road in a big win for them there so that one will be interesting to watch on Saturday as well. So this week is a big one, and especially with teams who have not been able to get in on the winning side, it'll be a vital week for them to get there as some time, depending on what happens throughout the the rest of the season, you don't want to see too many teams get so far behind that they just cannot be in contention whatsoever. So we'll be watching for that a little bit later on starting this week because there are some big games this week for those teams that right now have not been able to get a victory in Champions Indoor Football. So that's what we're looking at so far this week here in Champions Indoor Football. Let, let's do this. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on a guy who has been in the indoor business for a long time. They has had a couple of teams, uh, one team moving to where they are now. The Syntex Calvary used to be the San Angelo Bandits of the Lone Star Football League and the Champions Indoor Football now with a recent move over to Belton, Texas, the Syntex Calvary come up. Let's bring on the owner of that football team. Let's talk a little bit about that Calvary football team with Randy Sanders. How you doing, Randy? Doing great, doing great. And uh, by the way, I've been doing this for 13 years, I guess. I was yeah, I've been doing it a long time into a football. I call you an owner veteran, so you're right there. You've got it all figured out. So I guess the, the big question then, I, I put out to people, if I was, if you were going to talk to Randy Sanders, what would you ask him? And one of the, the questions were, what, what was the need for the change of city from San Angelo to headed on over to Belton? Well, we fulfilled our contract in San Angelo, and, uh, you know, the economy in San Angelo, we took a, a big downturn our last season. Uh, the oil field uh, backed off and uh, turned down, and then the cotton turned down. So it really, uh, we really lost a large number of sponsors, uh, which helped pay for the team. Uh, also, there's only 100,000 people in that area that we could draw from, and uh, so Consciously, we sat down and discussed it with the Coliseum, and we decided we were going to move the team, and they said they're fine. So uh, we decided to look around. We found we found uh, the Bell County Expo, which is sitting in the center of uh, basically five 
uh, bergs, if you want to call it that, uh, five cities. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's 365,000 people uh, in that area within you know within 30 minutes of the expo. Uh, plus, there's another 65,000 uh, on the on Fort Hood alone. Right. So we're looking at a we we dropped from all the way from up to Waco, uh, South Waco, and then North Austin, uh, Georgetown. Uh, all the way over to uh, uh, Lampasas, and then over to uh, Florence is the other way. East. So we've got a, quite a big area uh, to draw from, and he'll say if you the larger not a larger number of people you have to draw from, and there's not a lot, a lot happening between uh, February and uh, June. Uh, it's, a, it's a prime time place to be. Sounds good, and you, and you got. Um, I, I went to the stadium. I like the stadium. Some people like those new stadiums, those new fangled stuff. There's something about a stadium that has an atmosphere of that area. I know I've been told I'm old school, but I love your stadium, especially the bubble, and you can see it from the freeway. Absolutely, we call it the dome, and uh, it's 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 uh, the people have a really good attitude there, as you saw. Uh, our first home game, you were there, and and uh, we was a, it was the last uh, day of or last weekend of spring break, but we still got you know right around a thousand twelve hundred people in there, and they didn't leave until the last minute. I mean, they stuck yeah. there till till the very end, and they enjoyed themselves, and that's what's been that's been the big buzz around here is that uh, you know we tried to uh, make them understand that this is a this is a building process, and not expect a whole lot out of the first year of building, but uh, they're not throwing us out with the bathwater. They're uh, they're hanging in there. We're getting a lot of good response. People can't, can't wait to come back. Uh, the uh, the VIP suites that we that we put in place, just uh, uh, we've, we've actually sold two more since our first game. So it's just been, uh, it's been a real positive experience here. And getting out in the community, the community's uh, be beginning to get an idea of what's going on as far as indoor football right over there at Bell, uh, Bell County. Now, that being said, you've had some changes happen. You've had a resignation from your head coach. Let's talk a little bit about Mike Penny. Sure, sure. Well, Mike is a uh, uh, young man. He he, uh, he jumped in. This is a dream of his to be a head coach. Uh, we gave him the opportunity, and uh, I don't think it, you know it, he realized uh, how much work it really was to be able to do that. And uh, with his personal life and things like that, he was unable to uh, meet that need. It was dragging down on him. So we sat down and talked about it. And uh, for personal reasons, he's decided that he's going to step back. He'll help us from the side. And uh, we let uh, we, we brought our, our uh, OC and DC guy that was going to call him mainly uh, defense. We brought him and uh, Mr. Adrian Perez, and he's the uh, head coach for the team now. So very good. Now, does he have? He, he's the permanent head coach, or has he got that interim thing where he's got to earn a little bit of what's going to happen as far as you know next season is concerned? Well, it's always interim until he, you know, until they, they they get themselves their feet on the ground. But yes, got we're it. gonna we're gonna hang in there with him as long as, as long as he's willing to hang in there with us. Uh, you got know, it. we gotta get we gotta get some wins on the on the books. Uh, but he. He brings a little continuity to it. I mean, the the, the players are behind him. Uh, they're they want to they want to do well and things like that. Uh, but like I said, it's it's uh, 
it's a new team, and you know, even though you got experienced players on a new team, they don't know, you know, the new the new plan, the new scheme, and all of those stuff. So the players have to get behind the program, and once they understand the program, I think they'll do great. Yeah, and I, that takes time, and and then you go, you know, actually midseason, well, early midseason. Um, so they got to get up on board with that idea and what's going to go on. Uh, it, your last home game was the Texas Revolution. You got the Texas Revolution again uh, coming that yeah. your next home game over there. Um, and so uh, you're you're zero three. Obviously, got to get some wins underneath the the belt. And get used to winning. And I think that's something, right? I mean, once your your coach and everybody, the continuity, they can learn how to win together. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And remember, this new coach has really had. He's only had like four days with these guys, and had a lot of changes. Uh, you know, needless to say, you always when you when one coach moves on, another coach steps in. You know, there's the guys that come to here play here because of that coach, so they move along and. Uh, it's, it's just early in the season. We're gonna we're gonna buckle down. Uh, we got 12 games to play, and then we're gonna play all 12 games, and we're gonna see if we can take and surprise some people that uh, in our schedule. Our schedule is a little tough this year, but that's good. I think across the CIF, uh, it shows that we have some quality teams, and the schedules are not easy. I mean, as in like last year, at the end of the season, it was all the way to the last game to you know, determine what the seeding was Absolutely. for the for the North and South uh, division. So it's a, it's a great league to play in, and uh, it's a real professional league who's getting lots of good looks from the NFL and the CFL. So this is the place to be if you want to grow into something. Absolutely. The, the league is definitely growing by le- leaps and bounds, and that comes from the continuity of the league. And that, that you, you know about that. You were the commissioner last year. Uh, the work that it takes in order to make this league where, where you guys want it, you know. And I say you guys. As I'm the director of operation, Ricky's the commissioner. But this is really a league that is, you know, kind of really overlooked by all the teams. Well, it's, it is a it is a team owned league. There's not one person that has the ownership of this of this league, which is uh, which you know in the past has been the, the situation, and uh, it's been it's been detrimental to the league whenever that one person has got complete control. Now we take exactly. we have uh, we have 14 owners. You got 14 team owners. You got the Texas Revolution coming in on April 1st. Then April 7th over there, you get another opportunity at that Duke City Gladiators team, and then a couple of games with the Marshals, and then finishing up with the Amarillo Venom. Um, it, it, you like you said, this is a tough schedule when you when you look at you have the 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 two with the Revolution at home, and then the Gladiators and the Venom. You're going to be in a battle, I think, with the with the Marshals. That's going to be a good game. So you're looking positive towards the, the next season. W- once you get it kind of set, you're expecting more people to respond a little bit more to come to your team more so. What is the philosophy of the team? Is it to stay right there and belt and grab up guys, or are you going to be able to pick and choose from throughout the league? Well, we want to stay, we want to stay right here in Belton. Uh, my philosophy is, is that I encourage the coaches to take it. They can have I want half the team to come from the local community, and we have a lot of good we have a lot of good colleges to draw from here. Uh, we got UMHB, we got uh, 
University of Texas, Baylor, TCU, uh, uh, you know, all the way uh, all the way down to Texas A&M and Texas Commerce. So there's a lot of good teams, a lot of good colleges in this area that have good football players that just need that extra extra film, extra recognition. So we try to get half of our team locally, and then the other half, you know, they can go out and bring kids in from around the globe. Uh, the Florida guys and the and a lot of we always have a lot of Florida guys and uh, you yeah. know guys that have to travel in. But uh, the uh, being local like this, where uh, uh, the community embraces us, they 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 really love it. In fact, uh, I'm driving over to meet with the uh, with the head of uh, ISD for Colleen and Fort Hood area um, huh? to talk about how how we can get groups of kids to come in. And mentor with our players, and do some uh, activities with the team. So we're definitely uh, we're definitely community oriented here. Uh, we've been we've done we've already run two kids camps uh, for the yeah, kids. Yeah, how those go? By uh, the way, I saw the pictures, and those are you know, and I posted them over on the Champions Indoor Football uh, Facebook page. How did, yeah. what, what was the reception of those camps? Oh well, the the first camp was over in Copper's Cove, outside, and. Uh, we had 28 kids show up, even though it rained, uh, and uh, they showed up and had a great time. Uh, then uh, the second camp we had was inside the dome, and we had 30 kids come to that one. And then uh, we have a good time with them. We teach them a little bit about, uh, you know, hygiene and stretching, importance of education, as well as we take them through a little combine, and they enjoy it. And then on the uh, first game of the, the, our inaugural game, which you were at, uh, we announced the future brigade, and all those kids get to run out on the field with the players and be there during the opening ceremony. So they really love it. Uh, the parents have been, the parents are ringing the phone off of to ask us if we'll do it again, maybe during our bye week, uh, because their kids want. A lot of kids didn't know about it, and they want the opportunity to do what the other the other kids at school are telling them about, and get that T-shirt and get to come to a game with the players. Definitely, and that that does help it get throughout the community and and get known. There's enough. There's you can't say enough about being out in the community in order to be able to draw in your area. You've got a good area to draw there, like you said. There's nothing really going on from February till June, so you got the opportunity to bring them on in there. So, so what's the strategy? Yeah, obviously you're going to hit the schools and and that, things of that sort. What else is the strategy? to bring people in over in the Belton area? Well, we're treating each, each individual game just like it was a music concert. Uh, we have a marketing plan. We have a radio and TV plan for each one. Uh, we have giveaways and things that we're going to do. We have, a, we have a game on Mother's Day. and We're going to on Mother's Day, let's say mom gets in free, and uh, we're going to have chocolates and roses for her when she arrives. So, uh, and then they're going to get to come down on the field and, and uh, meet the players before the game and uh, bring them out on the field and have some events around, around Mother's Day. And uh, we also have our one coming up, uh, not this weekend, is, this weekend is April Fool's Day, so you can imagine what that's going to entail, but I won't yes. I'll throw the beans on that one. But uh, we will do some April Fool's stuff, and then uh, we also have a Friday night coming up, so we'll do a, a Friday night fight. We'll guarantee there will be a fight on the field that night, guaranteed. <laughs> so come out and see the fight, right? Got it. Uh, Under so, the Friday night indoor lights, too, by the way. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. We've done well. Remember, Friday Night Lights was based on the Permian Basin here, which uh, is in the state of Texas. And uh, yeah. the fact is, we, we used to be over there when we were in the San Angelo. We went over to Odessa several times where uh, the school was based on what it fell around. And uh, right. football in Texas, football in Texas is like religion. Uh, yes. Everybody has a different kind of religion, but everybody has one. Yeah, yeah. It, might, it might be bigger than religion. I've never seen anything like it. I rolled into to Texas in 2005, and I was I couldn't believe it. And then second, the football's got to be cheerleading. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's a big thing. And, that, and that's good, too, as far as the draw, as far as bringing people to the game. And uh, obviously, like in area, you got some players that might some film to where maybe they can pursue other dreams a little bit higher or in a different league. Well, the other thing is our players here, we've been at the experience, they love getting out in the community because they become local heroes and uh, get looked up to by the local community. So they really enjoy it. They, uh, you know, families adopt them and and, uh, that's, that's, that's really a good thing. So this area hasn't had anything for over eight years. Uh, just a couple of semi-pro teams that came through, and you know, I understand they're they're a little cautious about us because the semi-pro teams were one and done. You know, they didn't yes. even finish the season, and uh, so we're going to have to pay our dues a little bit. But we expect uh, our second season to be a lot stronger, and uh, we're going to be signing up contracts for two years instead of one uh, with all our our, our sponsors, all our sponsors Definitely. out there, and uh, where we're located, it makes it great because. You know, uh, my fans can go up to uh, the Marshall. It's only two hours and 15 minutes, and it's two hours and 35 minutes to Allen from here. Yep. So so they can get in more than just the six home games. They can get right. in, you know, like I said, oh, this year they'll be able to get in, let's see, six, eight, nine, nine games with our team without having to drive more than two hours. It's not too bad. And and the growth of the league also, you never know what may pop up as far as that is concerned. With Texas being as big as it is in football, we could get another team in Texas. We could get another team that's local, you know, in that area over there as well. So, and the growth of the league, talk a little bit about that. As you, you were the commissioner of this league last year. You've seen how many people were knocking on our doors to try to get into this league. It's obviously the biggest league within uh, indoor football. Um, yeah. Arguably the most popular because of all the fans that can go to a game. Let people know a little bit. I mean, you know, the the actual uh, way people can come in contact and try to be a part of the team. What's that all about? Well, uh, also, I'm still on the expansion committee, and uh, I can uh, kind of tantalize you a little bit. Yeah, we're talking to several people in Texas and as well as up north about growing the league a little bit more, but we're trying to grow the league at, at uh, the rate that we can handle and still right. keep it professional and keep some strong owners in there. The whole key to it is the owners making the commitment to be part of this league and to keep these teams in place. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy job to take and be able to, to take and fund a, a team for six with six home games. So uh, we're moving right. in the right direction. And, like you say, with the CIF, it's run by the owners. So an owner has a say-so in what happens. You know, he helps make the rules. He helps pass the, pass the things that he has to follow. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, but I think it's a, I think it's a place to be. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, and I tell everybody, I, I don't create the rules. I just enforce them. And those rules enforced by all the teams, everybody has to say on what's going on. And, and that's one of our good things. And, yeah, I'll tell you, Randy, it was good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us for a little bit here on Inside the CIF. Uh, good luck to you for the rest of the season and obviously uh, throughout this uh, years there in Belton. Yeah, we wish everybody luck. He's still the guy that played good. So let's take a look at the players of the week in week number five in champions indoor football. The offensive player of the week, quarterback Donovan Portier for the Duke City Gladiators, 21 of 27, 239 yards, nine passing touchdowns for the Duke City Gladiators. Now for the special teams player of the week, that goes to the Dodge City Laws, Jared Wood, as he was 10 of 11 on extra points and the field goals, he was one for one, and a tackle on special teams. He was all over the place as well. The defensive player of the week in week number five, it goes to Cliff Stokes of the Sioux City Bandits. Six tackles. Three interceptions, 71 yards on the uh, return yards on those interceptions, as well as a pick six. Big time game for Cliff Stokes for the Sioux City Bandits. So good week there as far as the players of the week in Champions Indoor Football. Okay, a couple announcements. You heard it already a little bit there with uh, Randy Sanders regarding the resignation of Michael Finney, the head coach of the Syntex Calvary, has been taken over by Adrian Perez, so he's going to step in on an interim basis and uh, try to get his feet underneath him as... Randers Sanders just mentioned there in the interview. Also, a change at the head coaching position as well in Champions Indoor Football, talking about uh, Coach Clayton out of the Salina Liberty. Mike Bonner is going to step in there as the head coach uh, on an interim basis as well. So a couple of coaching changes early, uh, two teams with a 0-7 record. Uh, Mike Finney actually stepped down last week, and Adrian Perez uh, stepped in uh, before we even knew what was happening. So that having been said, at the time, they the teams were 0-6, but now teams are 0-7. Uh, new coaches there, so we'll find out what happens this week, see if there's some improvements on some of those teams uh, with the changes there. Love Clo- Coach Clayton. He joined us here on Inside the CIF as well. Love him, and he worked very well with me as far as what I do in Champions Indoor Football and Adrian Perez uh, uh, he actually played um, at one point in this league as well so uh, him and Randy Sanders are going to go ahead and team up and go for the rest of the season down there in Centex. so those are the changes at the coaching position here in Champions Indoor Football now what we're going to do, I'm going to go ahead. We talked about bringing in the fans and things like that. So I went to one of the guys that I know. I, this is a guy who's been part of indoor football for many, many years as he was uh, a season ticket holder for the Arizona Rattlers when they came out. Um, then he moved over here into the Texas area. He became the statistician for the Texas Revolution while I was doing the play-by-play as well as he's my right-hand man, the color commentator when I do 
the Rowlett Eagles uh, varsity football team that we do here uh, for the play-by-play. I got online, the Eagle Eye, it's Bill Cerna. <laughs> You're still calling me the Eagle Eye, that's perfect. How you doing? That's Tim? right. I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for joining us. And, and I did this because some people were like, Let, let's talk to some of the fans. Let's do that. And so the first one I thought of was you. As we take a look at the uh, Champions Indoor Football League itself and where it's at, it, taking a look early right now in Champions Indoor Football, is there anything that's really surprising you when you take a look at where the standings are, who's playing well, who's not playing well, uh, coaching changes, things of that sort? Uh, what are you seeing so far in the early season of Champions Indoor Football here in 2017? Well, uh, you know, at, uh, um, up in the north, I mean, it's been a, a great start to the season. Uh, uh, well, at, and both of them, really, because, you know, in the south, you have – Dodge City, Amarillo, and, and uh, Texas that are, uh, as of today, right now, are both undefeated. So you know there's going to be some big games coming up between all of them. But uh, back to the north, I mean, you have uh, uh, Sioux City and um, Bloomington and, and uh, Omaha that's right now leading in that um, uh, division with, you know, you have three new teams in that division. And uh, so far they've been doing well and, and holding their own. Definitely. Now, when you take a look at it and, and talk a little bit about we know about Dodge City. Dodge City came down a lot when the Texas Revolution were taking on uh, the, the law themselves. But just looking at the law in general for the last couple of years, this is a football team that usually, you know, it, it, to use a horse racing term, gets out of the gate really quick. And they always start really good. It's whether or not that they can continue on the rest of the season and last year, unfortunately, didn't make the playoffs the year before, made it by, uh, by a last-week victory to get into the playoffs uh, to get in for positioning as well. They were either going to have a good position or not even be in the playoffs. So looking at the Dodge City Law, where they're at, I see a team that has to continue what they're doing throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, you know, they, they start off the season – uh, really hot and really strong, just like they are this year. I, I think uh, uh, what it comes down to is, is, you know, towards the end of the year. And, and uh, like you said, two years ago they didn't make the playoffs. Um, and early in the year they were like they had the you know top record in the league. Um, and then they make the playoffs. Last year they made the playoffs. They, they kind of um, kind of uh, limped into the playoffs and, and then uh, got taken out by uh, Amarillo uh, in the first round. So uh, you know what. A great team. Let's see if they can uh, really focus on um, on really uh, keeping the m- momentum going all year round or all year long. Um, the the challenge with it, like I said before, is you got a, a venom team and a, and a revolution team that's right in their way. Uh, um, um, you know, juggling between those three on who's going to win that division. Taking a look at this division, especially uh, in the south, you've had some teams move from the north to the south. You had the Dodge City Law. They moved from the north down to the south. But the team that won the championship, they also moved from the north to the south. They're one and three on the season and struggling here early. Uh, the defending champions got a little work to do. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and to get to be in that South Division and and get out of the gate slow like they are, 
um, really uh, puts them in a tough situation. But, you know, with that uh, Wichita team, uh, they always seem to rebound. They really get the, um, strong towards the second half of the season. You know, uh, Paco Martinez, he's going to have them ready to play and, and um, uh, ready to go. So, you know, they're 1-3 right now. They've had some uh, tough losses. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I expect them to be in the hunt of that, uh, uh, of that division as the years goes by. And also, you know, talk about close games. You look at the Duke City Gladiators. They start off at 0-2, losing games on the last play and by three. I mean, and now they go on the two-game winning streak. We could actually be talking about the Duke City Gladiators 4-0 uh, compared to it. So this South Division with the addition of the Wichita Force and the Dodge City Law, as if you look back in the past years, wasn't as strong. Now with the new additions, now we got some strength going into the south yeah and that's huge you only have three teams from the south that will make the playoffs so you're you're talking about a lot of teams that uh, are definitely um uh can can make some noise in that south and it's unfortunate only three make it you know at the actually uh, bill just to let you know that you probably don't know it is going to be four teams in the north and four teams in the south so uh okay so they're looking at the top yeah you're still looking at the top with dodge city amarillo uh the texas revolution duke city wichita and even right now the dallas marshall's still fighting for position as well I was just going to say, don't leave out the Dallas uh, uh, Dallas Marshals because they just uh, picked up Robert Kent, which obviously was last year's uh, MVP of the league. And uh, you know what? He makes things happen. He, you know what? He he gets the ball in in those receivers' arms. So uh, you know, it's a whole new dy- dynamic that's uh, going on there at Dallas. So you don't want to rule them out. So it's going to be a it's going to be a, a dogfight with these teams uh, here in the South. Definitely. Now, uh, with the way the rules work, we talked about uh, the rules of champions indoor football, rule, uh, rules 101, uh, RTR player, which is what Kent was, moving to a new team. He has to sit out this week's uh, game as well as next week's game. They will see, he will see his first action with the Syntex uh Calvary, so, uh, but it's still, um, they still have the rest of the season to go with him at the quarterback position. And now switching to the north as you look at what's going on, you're right. 4-0, the Bandits, they're always there. This is a team that always is in the, in the hunt when it comes towards playoffs, but it's what they do to maintain for the whole season. But then you've got the surprising team last year as the Bloomington Edge, you know, go to the last week of the season, make the playoffs, win two games in the playoffs, just coming into the league, uh, making making noise in that division in the north. And now, guess what? We're talking about the Omaha Beast being a good football team. I always said it, and I'll say it, I'll say it again, the CIF is always better when the Omaha Beef are a good football team. Well, and, and that just is. It's nice to see the Omaha – is um you know at uh at doing real well right now they've always been a signature of any league they've been in and you know they have such a great fan base up there and just a yeah. great organization so to to see them uh up there and uh competing and competing well is is going to be uh, uh huge for them but you know what uh you get some of these uh new teams and and I you know I would not uh, get too comfortable with um uh, these uh, new teams this year in the North because uh, I think they can make some noise. And, and you know, with you telling me that uh, there's now four from each division going to the playoffs, yes. there's a good opportunity. You're going to see one of those uh, uh, franchise, new franchises in the playoffs. 
Yes, and with with that being said, Kansas City at one and two, Bismarck at one and three, uh, West Michigan at zero and three, Salina zero and four. Now there's been some changes as far as the coaching is concerned um, over in the South. Uh, Mike Finney does resign. He is replaced with Adrian Perez up in the North. Salina Liberty uh, head coach Eric Clayton he does resign, and Mike Bonner takes over. Now we know a little bit about Mike Bonner. Mike Bonner is one of these guys that have been around in coaching in indoor football. He is a guy that has the knowledge, especially as the offensive coordinator, as he was before he took over there. Uh, They get that solid guy at the head coaching position, unfortunately, with a team that is 0-4, and then they go into a tough, tough game this week because they take on the Wichita Force. The Wichita Force are 1-3. These are two teams that are desperate for a win uh, to try to make some kind of uh, leeway, uh, movement for the playoffs. Well, and, uh, you know, Wichita's only win so far this year has been against Salina, uh, first game of right. the season. But, I mean, you look at this uh, uh, team from uh, Salina, and, yes, you say that they're 0-4, but you got to understand who they've played. They've played Wichita. They've played Omaha. They've played Dodge City twice. So they've had some tough games every week. Uh, so, you know, at the uh, – I think there's a time for Salina to rebound. You know, when you got Josh Flo- uh, uh, Floyd um, uh, in, in, you know, controlling your offense, there's always an opportunity. And just, you know, uh, you know, reading him on uh, social media and, and whatnot, such a positive guy. And, and uh, that guy never gives up. Uh, he was a little bit heartbroken uh, about the loss of his coach this week. But uh, you're absolutely right about Mike Bonner. I think Mike Bonner is going to go in there. Uh, give that uh, offense to Floyd and and, and uh, get him comfortable to uh, lead that offense. But once again, you know they got a tough another tough game this week. And and uh, good thing is that they're actually in their home ar- arena tonight or this weekend. And, and just to fill you in a little bit up on the injury, which you don't know, which I just got notification of as the director of operations of Champions Indoor Football. Unfortunately, Josh Floyd is going to be put on either a short-term or a long-term IR, so he's not going to be available this week for the Salina Liberty going into today's uh, this week's game. So they've got to do some shuffling and bring in the quarterback that can go up against a tough, tough Wichita Force football team. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out this for this week especially with what's going on now some interesting other games in this uh, this week which uh, we kick it off on Friday night with Friday night lights with the Sioux City Bandits and a rematch of week number one where they were the only game in town that week this week they're the only game that is playing on a Friday night so we get the opportunity to see the Sioux City Bandits this time they're on the road at or no, but right behind them, right there, digging in their heels are Omaha. This is going to be a good one here because this one will be all about positioning in the north. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then uh, with Omaha playing in their home stadium with with uh, that crowd of theirs, it's going to be tough for uh, Sioux City um, to uh, to go into Omaha and win that game. That's going to be uh, an ideal game for uh, for Friday Night Lights. Uh, and you know what? Um, uh, Sioux City's only been on the road once so far this year, as, as uh, their yeah. only road trip was up to Bismarck. So you know, at, uh, Sioux City's been home three of their three of their four games. So this will be a tough challenge for them to go into Omaha and, and try to pull that victory out. 
And there's always something to be said about a team that goes on a road trip after they've been home for a while. It's hard for them to get their feet underneath them. It's hard for them to get ready to go. So it'll just just go to show how prepared the Sioux City Bandits are uh, going into a big game. They either improved to 5-0 or 5-1. Uh, on the other hand, you look at Omaha, they really need this one. They really don't want to drop the 500. So I'm, I'm expecting a slobber knocker, as they use in the, in the wrestling terms uh, in that game. And a, a game that's happening that I think is really huge because you get a rematch. The Bloomington Edge are in Kansas City. Last week, they were in uh, Bloomington. Kansas City edges out the edge last week um, in, a, in a close game where it was all about defense. This time, they go to Bloomington, head over to Kansas City to take on the Phantoms. I'm really looking forward to this one. you got Coach uh, Coffin up there as far as the um, Kansas City Phantom. Uh, this week, the Bloomington Edge, uh, uh, their head coach, uh, uh, Amir Ishmael has been suspended for one game, so they're going to be using their offensive coordinator to take over for the head coaching duties there. But this is a football team that's young and exciting, as we saw last year as well, Bill. What do you take a look at in this one when you've got Kansas City taking on Bloomington at home? Uh, well, you know, this is a great opportunity for uh, Kansas City uh uh, to get on to get on that W, but you, you do have a, a team coming in with the edge coming into town, and uh, you know they might not have the head coach there, but uh, they do have talent. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game uh, game for the Phantoms to uh, to pull out there. But you know if you if you want to get that first uh, win under your belt, it's uh, it's usually uh, I'm sorry, their second win under the belt. It's usually uh, on your home uh, arena that you want to get it. Yeah, and and that's being at home, taking advantage of that home field advantage. It's hard to get a road win in indoor football as we as we've seen the last couple of years. So when you get that home, you got to get that victory at home. And 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 case in point will be Sunday. This one here, I'm really looking forward to Sunday night at seven o five. The Duke City Gladiators they go on the road to take on the Amarillo Venom. And talk about it. the Amarillo Venom, first time in their uh, history, they start off 3-0. Duke City, they could very easily be 4-0, and a game that they've already played with the Venom as well. But this time, they're on the road. Um, and so when you look at Coach Belmonte and what he's got to do with the Duke City Gladiators, this is a team, even when they first came in the league, Bill, always looked like they're on the cusp, ready to take that next move to be in the top contention of the uh, division or uh, conference that they're in. This one here is quite possibly the biggest week for the Duke City Gladiators, as unfortunately they dropped the first two of the season. Well, and uh, like you said, uh, um, taking Donovan uh, Porter in, into Amarillo, I think this is the game of the week. I really do. Uh, you yeah. Know, you mentioned Duke City being two and two, but uh, you know you had a game uh, against you know first game of the season against Dodge City came down the last play. Amarillo came down the last play. Uh, you know Wichita was a two uh, a two point game. Uh, you know finally against Syntex last week they kind of got a breather and, and uh, really handled uh, the Calvary easily, but. You know what? Um, uh, this Duke City—they're they're cardiac kids. I, I tell you what—they—they uh, yes. uh, uh, they take the game all the way down to the end, and I would expect to see the same thing uh, um, uh, there in Amarillo. So it's going to be a huge game. Uh, you know, Amarillo knows that uh, uh, 
uh, Duke City's on a roll net right now, so you know expect them to be ready to uh, to protect their home uh, home field. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Week number six in Champions Indoor Football. I'm going to be bringing Bill in, you know, uh, every other week uh, for the rest of the season if his schedule works at it. And we'll talk about Champions Indoor Football, what we think and what we see here uh, in the league. Bill, thanks for a couple of minutes here on Inside the CIF. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sonny. And what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at some of the numbers going into this week, and then we'll head on out the door here on Inside the CIF. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll look at all that here on Champions Indoor Football's Inside the CIF. We'll be right back. Week number five is underneath our belts. Now, granted, our show came on last week after the Texas Revolution got the big victory at home at the Allen Event Center. And we talked about that game uh, last week. So let's go ahead and let's talk about some of the other games that happened last week uh, here on Inside the CIF. Let's start with the Dodge City Law as they improved to 4-0 out on the season. And they hand the Salina Liberty another loss the Liberty unable to get a notch underneath the W side of the standings, but the Dodge City Law undefeated get the victory 87 to 42. A big time game this week for Rudy Johnson, 19 to 22, 183 yards and five touchdowns for Johnson. He also rushed the ball four times for 55 yards and a touchdown. So, also on the rushing side for the Dodge City Law, DJ Abner, eight rushes, 18 yards and a touchdown. Jalen McCloney, one rush, one yard. He scampers in for the one-yard touchdown. Now, for the Law, catching the football for him, three touchdown passes to Daniel McKinney, four catches, 50 yards. Uh, Pargo with five catches, 75 yards and a touchdown. Hussein Scott, five catches, 62 yards and a touchdown as well. Brandon Vinson, two catches, 25 yards and a touchdown. And D.J. Abner not only rushed the ball for a touchdown, he caught one as well. Three catches, 16 yards and a touchdown for the Dodge City Law. On the other side, when you took a look at the Liberty, Joshua Floyd, 22 of 34, 232 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. He also used his legs 11 times for six yards and got in for the touchdown. So looking at that, looking at the rest, as far as rushing, I just want to put this stat out there because it was huge as the Liberty had a huge Hard time running the football overall, a negative two yards rushing for the Liberty. Catching the ball for the Liberty, Tracy Brooks, he had six catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. Jeffrey Cameron, five catches, 68 yards and two touchdowns. And Joe Casanovic, six catches, 63 yards and a touchdown. And he also can back up the quarterback there as well. So a good game there for the law as they go ahead and they improved in the standings to four and zero. And boy, you when you start off four and zero, this is a team that gets started off with a good season at the beginning of the year. It seems like every single year 
this team is right up there with only one loss or not. But at 4-0, they lead the South in that conference. Now, Liberty have unfortunately not able to get in the W column as of yet in the 2017 season. Now, more games that happen. Let's head on over to another one, a close one. As the Force were at home, they were taking on the Amarillo Venom, and the Force, unfortunately, could not get the victory, and they dropped to 1-3 and three on the season. The Amarillo Venom, they improved to 3-0 out on the season, so they start for the first time in franchise history 3-0, so that's good for them as they move on. And this football game was really one of those close games as... In the first frame, they played to a 7-7 tie. Then the Force actually took the lead going into halftime. They were ahead 20-14 to at halftime. But then the Venom, they came storming back. In the third quarter, scoring 14 points compared to the Wichita Force's 6. And then in the fourth quarter, one more touchdown better than the Force. They outscored the Wichita Force, that being the Venom, 28-21. to The final score comes out to 56-47. And looking at the stats for the Wichita Force, Medlick was 21-35, 223 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. And rushing the football, Tyler Batts, 11 rushes, 34 yards, two touchdowns. And also Medlock running the football four times, 15 yards and a touchdown. Receiving the ball, nine catches, 114 yards for soft. Harry Peoples, four catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. And Joe Morrow, two touchdown catches off of four, uh, four catches as well for this uh, game and 30 yards. On the other side, for the Venom, Nate Davis, 19-29, 190 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the big number there. And Jarrell Christina, to, uh, 10 rushes, 36 yards, and a touchdown. Nate Davis with eight rushes, 20 yards, and two touchdowns. Receiving the ball, seven catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown for Alex Watson. DeAndre Perry, five catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Raymond Johnson, three catches, 32 yards, and a touchdown. And Jordan Delcott, he had one catch, four yards, and that was for a touchdown. So that game was really tight throughout the whole game and a fun one. And, folks, I mean, that, that one was a fun one if you were able to see some of it. Unfortunately, this was a game that had no audio, but you could, or had nothing going on to where you could not watch the game, so you had to depend upon the stats in order to see what was happening in that football game as well. That takes us to the next game that was on Tampa as the Kansas City Phantom went on the road to take on the Sioux City Bandits, and the Bandits at home had very, very, very good success against this football team as they got a big win, 62-35. to In fact, they went in at halftime with a 28-7 to lead at halftime and didn't look back as they outscored the Phantom 21-7 to in the third quarter. 
Now the Phantom came back in the fourth quarter, outscored the Bandits 21 to 13. But by that time, all the damage had been done, and it would have been hard for him to get back. So for the Phantoms at the quarterback position, David Olson, 18 to 32, 135 yards and four touchdowns. Frank Sewer also came in. For 7 of 13 for 86 yards. Sewer also ran the football 26 times, or for 26 yards, 7 times. And then uh, Darren Miller, 8 rushes, 9 yards, and a touchdown. And Olsen, with four, uh, 4 rushes, he got in for a touchdown as well. Receiving the ball for the Phantoms, Anthony Parks, seven catches, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. And Charles Johnson, four catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. On the other side for the Sioux City Bandits, Taylor Kinsir was 8 of 12 for 103 yards and two touchdowns, as well as an interception. And Frederick Bruno also working a little bit. He was 0 for 1 passing the ball. Unfortunately, that one went for an interception. Rushing the football, Jeffrey Max, seven rushes, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Bruno, two rushes, 23 yards. One of them he ripped for 17 of those 23 yards on one of the plays. He got in for a touchdown. Uh, Drew Praska, two rushes, 19 yards, and a touchdown. And that one was big as he was actually playing very well in that game. Also, Dominique Carson, four rushes, 15 yards, and a touchdown. Catching the football for the Bandits. Jeremiah Oates, three catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Marcus Miles, two catches, 32 yards, as well as Maurice Young. He had one catch, 11-yard touchdown pass to him. So that one was a game that was an interesting one because I wanted to see how Kansas City was going to react as they got their first victory last week. Unfortunately, they could not build on that as they moved forward. Then the Duke City Gladiators had a big game in this one as the offensive player of the week was the quarterback for the Duke City Gladiators. I'm talking about Donovan Portier, who was 21-27, 239 yards, nine touchdowns, nine Big time for him. Lucian Walker, seven rushes, 22 yards, and one TD. Just to put it out there for the play-by-play guy, his name is Lucian. That's how you pronounce his name. Now, I, out of all the people who is going <laughs> to... Who's going to correct? I wasn't necessarily correcting him, more so than helping him, because he had a hard time figuring out how it was pronounced. So it was Lucian, because Lord knows Sonny has definitely botched up some names in his play calls. That having been said, receiving Larry Cobb. He had two catches, 59 yards, two touchdowns. Julian Walker, four catches, 49 yards, and two touchdowns as well. Dexter Manley, three catches, 25 yards, three touchdowns. Shredrick Johnson, one catch, eight yards, and a touchdown. On the other side for Syntex, Chris Miller, 9 of 31, 125 as far as the yards, two interceptions, was unable to get the ball into the end zone, passing the football, and then the rushing touchdown for them as Chris Miller did that work, getting it into the end zone. No one caught a touchdown pass, but Jamel Bruton, three catches, 52 yards. Donovan Raspberry, four catches, 44 yards. And Darren Mathis, two catches for 11 yards. So 
That having been said, those are the numbers that stacked up on that one as the Gladiators. You know, they were actually in a fight in the first part of this um, as they did get out in the first frame 14 to nothing. But Syntex came out playing well. And in the second quarter, they put up two touchdowns, but the Duke City Gladiators outscored them in that second frame 27 to 14, and they never looked back as they blanked the Calvary for the rest of the game out on the football field. Now, the game that was a close one, and folks, we're talking close, as the Bloomington Edge edged out the Bismarck Bucks 24 to 21. Now, you take those scores, you add them up, it comes obviously out to 45 points, and there were many teams in the CIF that scored more than 45 um, in this game, and that was both of the teams combined. Uh, so this one was a defensive game, as in the first quarter, the uh, Bloomington Edge outscored the Bismarck Bucks 14-6. In the second frame, Bloomington outscored the Bismarck Bucks only by two, 10-8. No one scored in the third frame, and the Bucks were the only ones that were able to get into the end zone in the fourth quarter. That tells you this was a huge defensive game, as the uh, stats went like this for the Bismarck Bucks. Mike Ashley was 15 of 26, 155 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And Bird Mix, uh, he had three catches, 28 yards and a touchdown. And then he also received two catches, seven uh, or two touchdown catches. Uh, Bird Mix, seven of 90. I, I'm having a tough time because that's his that that that's his last name. It's uh, Jaham. Bird Mix is his name, so I, I was a little caught off on the name, but that having been said, uh, on the other side, the Bloomington Eds, uh, Caleb Holbert, 10 of 16, two touchdowns. Then it was about the rushing game in reality when you looked at the Bloomington Edge. 15 rushes for Dylan Dunn, but he didn't go anywhere, folks, in those 15 rushes. He only netted three yards. Caleb Holbrook, he had nine rushes for only Five yards, but he did get the touchdown. Marcus Lewis tried to run one, but it went negative. So a total of six yards rushing with a total of 25 rushes in that game. The Bismarck Bucks were not letting anybody run the football. So Dunn uh, receiving four catches, 26 yards, and Marcus Lewis four catches, 24 yards, and two touchdowns. J.J. Hayes with the catch, nine yards, and L.J. Castile, he had one catch, six yards. So that having been said, that was a, a big-time defensive game uh, on Saturday. It was one of those games, and I actually watched this game um, fully because of the fact that the defense for both teams were outstanding. So in a recap in this week, let's just go over it really quick. Thursday, the Revolution got a 61-18 victory. On Saturday, Law, 87-42 over the Liberty. The Venom on the road, 56-47 over the Force. The Phantoms on the road took the loss to the Sioux City Bandits, 62-35. The Duke City Gladiators, 75. The Calvary, 14. And the Edge, 24-21. Those were your games last week in Champions Indoor Football. 
And that's going to do it for week number six here on Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark. Join us next week as we'll be bringing you more uh, things going on in Champions Indoor Football. We'll take a look at this week's games that happened. We'll also be bringing in some guests next week. Everybody have a good weekend and good luck to all the teams in Champions Indoor Football. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.